0: Essential life skill that over 80% of us develop through childhood, however only 10% of us go on to take this life skill onto a competitive level, then only a further 2% go on to competing internationally. Competitive swimming in the UK is gradually on the increase, and with London 2012 Olympic Games creeping ever closer, Great Britain is on target to beat its medal hall of 20 medals in the 2008 Olympic Games in Beijing. With swimming now receiving the second highest sports funding from Sport Scotland, only just behind cycling, it is finally being recognised as one of Great Britain's high level sports and today we're going to look into the gruelling training these athletes undergo to make them the very best. Today we will talk with a few people who can give us some first hand experience of the training habits from such a demanding sport. Firstly we will talk to Lucy Ross who competed at both national and international level in swimming before moving on to triathlon. She's going to explain a bit about the demands of swimming compared to the different demands of training for three different sports rather than just one. Secondly we're going to hear from James Thompson who is currently training and competing in swimming today and we'll find out what motivates him to keep going through that gruelling training process. (laughs) I'll, I was involved in
1: swimming lessons first that my parents put me in but then I got quite involved in it quite quickly so when I was about 7 or 8 I started swimming with a swimming club and then when I was about 9 or 10 I probably started competing in galas quite often so like most weekends and then maybe 11 I started competing at national level and that meant just more training really at least daily, as well as mornings.
2: I actually started swimming quite late. I was able to swim when I was about four, but I didn't join club swimming until I was 13, which in terms of competitive swimming is quite late. I train with the University of Edinburgh just now.
0: Training for swimming is unlike many sports. Even to compete at simply district level, athletes must endure at least 20 hours of training each week. This includes both pool and land sessions to work on all areas. Training grads increased as I got older and started competing nationally and internationally with training 30 hours a week. This included 5 2 hour morning sessions in the pool, 6 2 hour evening sessions in the pool as well as 4 weight sessions, pilates, core work, circuit training and on top of that we had to fit in sleep. Although this sounds like a lot of training, to be honest it's merely the norm in the swimming world and yet no one else really realises. I trained 30 hours a week five morning sessions
1: of about two hours each and then five evening sessions in the pool at about two hours each and then we did two runs a week just to get our aerobic fitness up and then we did five weight sessions or five land sessions two of them were like core and skipping and things
2: like that I've got tendinitis in my shoulder at the minute so I can't really do as much as I would like but I train eight times a week in the pool and three times a week on land. When I'm in the pool, at the minute I do about 3k a session, which for the event I would do is normally quite... It's, you wouldn't really think it's enough, but I'm just trying to like increase the intensity of my training so that I'm still getting the hard work done, but I'm not doing as much of the general aerobic work, which I can do like by going for a run or going for a cycle. So I'm still getting all the specific stuff done.
0: Due to lack of pool time, many of these sessions are ran in the morning as well as late at night, meaning that a summer's day not only starts bright and early at 5am, but usually won't finish until late after an evening session in the pool.
2: I do train early mornings, which is really difficult, especially in the winter. Getting up when it's dark and raining just makes you want to curl back up into bed. But I guess, like, I've been training early mornings since I was probably about 15, so you do kind of get used to it. It's not as bad as doing it for the first time. Well, I need to get up at half past 4, but I don't usually get out of bed until about 10 to 5 <laughs> and then I usually end up running late and then I get to the pool for 5.15 and the session's half 5 to half 7 and then back to nap before uni and then a full day at evening.
1: I didn't live in Edinburgh when I was competing nationally so I had to get up at about 4 o'clock in the morning so I could get through to Edinburgh for quarter to six so I could swim six till seven
2: I think the latest my day would end would be about half five which is on a Monday and a Friday because those are the evenings that I train. On a Tuesday and a Thursday I finish weights at half three and then and then that's me done for the day.
0: Such training habits are not only for the very best internationalists, but extensive training is required, even from such a young age. Personally, I was competing by the age of nine, as well as training five days a week. Lucy, how old were you when you started swimming in Edinburgh?
1: 15 and 16 I started swimming in Edinburgh. But it also meant because we were doing all that training and obviously I was still growing at the same time, that I just needed to eat all the time. I think I was probably burning about 6,000 calories a day, maybe about 1,000 calories an hour. I had to eat about 8,000 because I was 16 and I was still growing so it was difficult to intake enough to keep going.
0: As most major international swimming competitions are swam abroad and outdoors, one of the major training routines of swimming is going on training camps abroad so athletes can acclimatise to different weather conditions. It does also make training a bit more fun to be training in a hot country and splits up such a monotonous training programme. I
1: went to Spain and France because my coach was French at the time. also went to South Africa on a training camp that was not really anything like training in Europe partly because the facilities were like horrendous
0: don't think i'll be training in south africa anytime soon <laughs> For many people swimming is a base to move on to so many other sports. It leads on to water polo, open water swimming which is also becoming more and more popular and is now a respected discipline in the Olympics. People can also go on to triathlon and many many more. Not only does swimming give people the simple ability to swim but it also gives you that determination, dedication and that competitive spirit that means you can pretty much turn your hand to anything. Triathlon
1: is quite a new sport and because I had the swimming advantage that people in triathlon don't usually have, I could have improved my running because I ran at school anyway and then I could Just add cycling because everybody can ride a bike. You just get a bit better at it over time. Like, practice makes perfect. Whereas I'd kind of hit a peak at swimming, I think. I wasn't going to get much better unless the physical shape of my body was massively different and unless a miracle happened, I wasn't changing into the Hulk any time (laughs) soon. Triathlon, because there's three sports. And then on top of that, you've got to be strong. So you've got to have weight sessions. And then you've got to be like stable because of running things. So you have to do lots of core work. So you've got to divide your training by, instead of two or three areas in swimming, you've got to divide it by like four or five. So aerobic fitness is easier to get in running and cycling because you just get on and go. So like swimming, a lot of the time we use that as specific training. So we didn't have to spend hours and hours on end, wasting time in the water. We could do like a half hour run and get the same aerobic fitness we would from about a two hour swim. You just got to a point where you had to use your training more specifically because there wasn't obviously enough hours in the week to train like 70 and 80 hours. is physically impossible. So you have to key your training to specific sessions. So I guess it was more like accurate training as opposed to like volume.
0: At the start of this year I retired from swimming without making it need- Commonwealth Games level. I felt I'd reached a peak in my swimming career and unfortunately for me I wasn't going any further. I felt the training was far too tedious to keep going without wreaking any of the benefits from all that hard work and I simply stopped enjoying it. Enjoyment and motivation are really the key parts to any sport which is so demanding.
2: I really enjoy the level I'm training. I think if I didn't enjoy it I wouldn't be able to do it because it's, it's too much to do just to slug through without enjoying it and it is good. Like, the bunch of people that I train with are really good and you make really good friends through it and you get to keep yourself fit and healthy and it's a nice distraction from uni work and at the same time uni work's a nice distraction from sewing sometimes. I think the thing that motivates me is just, it's knowing that I'm not as fast as I could be and I want to find out just how fast I can be and until I get there I'll just have to keep going. Well, the goal for this season is just to keep trying to progress. I really want to make the final at Olympic Trials, which is in March. I don't know how difficult that will be, but I think I can do it. I made the semi finals last time, which was top 16, so the finals are top 8, which is obviously a lot more difficult, but you've got to look to progress. In the long term, hopefully, maybe looking towards Glasgow 2014 for the Commonwealth Games. Um, I tried to make the Delhi 2010 Commonwealth Games, but that didn't quite go according to plan, so I think second time lucky might be a bit better
0: thank you for listening to my podcast i'd like to thank both james thompson and lucy ross for their interviews all music was sourced online through creative commons and sound effects were recorded by myself